HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit wholefoodsmarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is John Peterson, wine director of the Frankie Spontino Restaurant Group. We'll talk to John about the life of Assam, wine, casual dining, and a lot more. We'll taste a 10-year-old Chianti Reserva, see how that's holding up for our weekly wine sip. And John said he snuck a bottle in, so we'll talk about that. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Alabama-born John Peterson made his way to New York, arriving on the scene not too long ago. He cut his teeth at Craft Bar, Nomad, and now as wine director at Frankie Spontino Group. John shares his time between Brooklyn and the West Village, overseeing and curating an interesting and eclectic list of wines to complement equally eclectic menus. When you ask John to... what to serve with fish. His answer is usually weed, but we'll explain that later. (laughs) Welcome to the show, John. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming in. Of course. I want our audience to get a little sense of who you are and where you came from. So like I ask all my guests, tell me about your journey in life, wine, and restaurants that got you, thank God, from Alabama Yep. To New York and Frankie's where you are right now. So totally. give me a quick glide through that. Yeah. So uh, I'm originally from Alabama, like you said. My parents were uh, in the restaurant business for a little over 10 years. So worked with them, got, you know, got my feet wet, if you will. Um, did the natural progression, left high school, went to college and landed in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Great uh, restaurant town. Amazing restaurant town. Um, worked in some places there, both in the front of house and as well as the kitchen. While um, you were a student? Uh, both while I was a student and then stuck around afterwards. Were you in the hospitality school? Yep. So I graduated with a business degree in hospitality, okay. which was, was awesome. Um, yeah, so I worked at McCready's for a little bit. Top of the list. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, and then also uh, worked in the kitchen uh, and then did some catering gigs as well. Uh, and then decided one day that it was time to, to leave and I... Uh, called a friend and I was like, let's go to New York tomorrow, uh, literally. And so we, we, uh, drove up and then I decided not to come home. What, uh, uh, 
what's the moment when you want to leave? You realized you outgrew Charleston, you want more, you were curious about New York? Yeah, it, it, it wasn't so much that I outgrew it, because I, I love Charleston, I could, I could stay there, I could even see myself maybe like retiring there, if, that's, if that ever happens. Um, but you know, it's a small town, so if you want to grow and you want, you want more, uh, and you want to try something else, the, the logical uh, answer is to leave, and if if you want to work in wine, in my opinion, and you want to you want to start somewhere, New York is the place to go. Uh, it, it's uh, the city where literally options are endless, especially in this industry. So, I so wait, I fill in one blank for me. Yeah, because we're up to the point where you were in Charleston, graduated with hospitality, worked in restaurants, mm-hmm. decided to come to New York. From that point backwards, where was the wine? exposure yes. or you know wine liking right so um my uh, sophomore year of college i studied abroad in florence italy um it was never really the best student uh wasn't really into school but <laughs> wine just it clicked so i it took a, both of us yeah right i i uh i took a wine class while i studied abroad and everything just started to kind of make sense i enjoyed studying wine for the historical um content and then uh of course tasting it is always fun, but then I realized that when we were tasting and we were talking, things like I could relate a little bit to it. So uh, that's when it clicked. I went back home, uh, worked with my parents in their restaurant, focusing on wine and, and on front of house. When you came back, were you more focused on wine? Like, let's yeah, ratchet the program up? Abs- absolutely. And, you know, it's very, uh, not that there's anything wrong with it, but Alabama is very much driven by wine journalism, wine spectator, Robert Parker, et cetera. So that... Uh, is what I cut my teeth on a lot. Um, that was what was really around. Not a lot of exploration. Or no, no. The Chablis didn't exist. Burgundy really didn't ratings exist. Ratings driven yeah. by what they read. Yeah, right? totally. Um, so, yeah, so that, that was kind of what kind of lit the fire, I guess you could say. And then working with Clint at McCready's is what just kept driving that. Uh, and then I realized, yeah, I, I, I want to do this for sure. So McCready's had a, an amazing list. Yeah. I mean, I mean, as good as anywhere and great for Charleston. Yeah, too. totally. Yeah. So you got exposed to that. All right. So you decide to come to New York and? Yeah. So I, I didn't No really, job in place? No. It just I, came up? I literally had a suitcase. Okay. Um, and closed for four seasons. And that was about it. So I, uh, I reached out to a friend of mine who was uh, working for a distribution company here. She introduced me to some people and kind of made some connections, and then I finally, uh, finally was introduced to Hayden Felice, who was the GM wine director at Craft Bar. He hired me as Tom a server. Tom Yeah, yeah. You I know, mean, a great top, top operation. Totally, um, and that was a lot of fun. That was a good, good learning experience. So I stayed there for a little over three years and started as a server and left as the wine director. So, yeah. That was, so then. So then it was uh, it was time to to move on. I wanted to push myself in a different direction get rid of the management aspect of working and focus uh, on being a sommelier, focus on service. Uh, and I joined the team uh, at Nomad as a sommelier with Thomas, which was... Thomas Patuzic? Thomas Pastuzak. Pastuzak. That's the one. Uh, That's the one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that for from a wine tasting and service perspective, that was without question the best year I've, I've had. You, you know, you taste... Literally everything from Pet Nat to DRC and Montfortino and all the wines that you read about when you're when you're getting into wine. So Nomad is part of the Eleven Madison Group. Yeah, Daniel made nice. Hum and Will Guidera made yep. nice. Um, just quickly, the differentiation between a Nomad and Eleven Madison. It was pretty high dining and high service. Yeah, absolutely. But um, not different. Yeah. Not more casual, just different presentation. How would you describe that? Yeah, you know, the the kind of mission statement, I guess, if you will, uh, of Nomad is kind of that perfect intersection of, of uptown and downtown. Right. Uh, and it really is that if you work there and, and you see the, the clientele that come in, the style of service, you know, they're very uh, influenced and, and inspired by music. Both, you know, 11 Madison Park has Miles, Miles Davis right. and Nomad has Rolling Stones. And right. It, if you think about if you're a music nerd and that kind of makes a little bit of sense to you, you can really see that they have two different identities. So right. Nomad, it's not a tasting menu. It's fun. You can come in in, in jeans if you want to do and drink crazy wine, whereas 11 Madison Park is. And I didn't Does, work at 11 Madison Park, but it's that more formal 
right. tasting menu. Does type. a tasting menu limit what kind of wines you could serve or recommend, or not really? I mean, I think it depends on the individual. I've never worked in a restaurant that only did a tasting menu. Right. Um, I personally, it's not the way that I like to dine so much I, anymore. I it's, it's you know, it's really fun. I to I mean, do a it. couple times a year, yeah, right? Yeah, of course, but, right. Not, and you'd be miserable if you did that every yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, hey, some people love it, and God bless them. But uh, right. So yeah. at Nomad, you you even up the game service wise, exposure to more wines. Yeah, absolutely. Great organization. Mm-hmm. They made nice people. You do that for, what, about a year? You yeah, said? I was there, like, right at a year. And then, then what happens? Uh, I was introduced to um, the Franks, Frank uh, Castronovo, Frank Falsinelli. And uh, I talked to them over about a six-week period, and, and then they offered me the job to come on as their wine director for the company. And uh, it was not a position that really existed before. Um, what really struck with me was, A, their cool dudes and i like to hang out with them and i really respect them and they've clearly done an outstanding job of creating what i think institutions um, but they really believe that in order to have a good restaurant from start to finish to have the whole package you have to have a real wine program right and a real wine program doesn't mean a thousand selections and 25 sommeliers but well thought out yeah it means that there's somebody that's that's thinking about what's being put on the wine list and there's there's thought and there's education and, right and so two things yeah um when you got there were mm-hmm. there the three restaurants frankie's in the west village yep. frankie's brooklyn and prime meats yep okay and when you got there was the wine program a shell of what it is now not bad needed to be upped it they were they're very different um, they were much smaller. Okay. Um, the way that they were structured was very different. Um, I quite literally gutted the programs. Um, so you put your mark on it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, the process of doing that isn't exactly quick, uh, but I tried to do it as quick as I could. And I think it took about six months to a year to really get them. That's um, pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you that's, know. that's super yeah. quick. I think it really takes a sommelier about a year to kind of figure out what they're doing when you're buying wine. So you got there in 2015, early in the year. So mm-hmm. you're going on... Yeah, three years three in years. Uh, February. Yeah. And it's the crazy. group started around 04. Yeah. So, so they had been around a while. Yeah, Frankie's in Brooklyn um, was, you know, a restaurant in Carroll Gardens before Carroll Gardens was Carroll Gardens. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and now it's, you know, people come from all parts of the city. It's a curious neighborhood. It's cool. But I love really, it. Yeah. I, I, I really, it's, really it's love it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, you guys have made your mark there. All right. So I want to uh, get into your head a little. Please. I mean, to me, you're the true sommelier. I mean, you redesigned a program. You work with some cool guys. You're at multiple locations. Each location varies. Um, I'm curious, and I think our audience would be curious, about the day in the life of a real New York sommelier. And I've never asked, you know, the, I, I do the wine list every week, but I don't want to sure. ask everybody that. So I got a bunch of questions because I'm yeah. curious and I'm sure everyone else is. Sure. All right. So the first question is normal week. Mm-hmm. How many hours are you working? Oh, God. I have no idea. I don't even keep track. I go into it. It ain't 10 and it's not 100. So give me a number yeah, in between. No, I don't. Are you at, wor- at least 60? Okay. At, at most, you know. You have a day off? I'm off on the weekends. Okay. But, you know, you, when you're off, you're still not really off. Okay. That's unusual that you're off on the weekends. Well, it's different when you're running three places and there's a lot of administration work that goes into the job. You know, unfortunately, it's not all being on the floor. That's so. my next question. Yeah. So my next question is how much of what you do is off the floor? A like lot. Like administrative work, ordering wine, paperwork? A lot. Um, I start Half my- the job? Uh, probably more than that. Okay. Um, so either, you're there during the day? I go in at 9 a.m. every day. And on a typical day, what time would you go home? It, it depends. If I'm if I'm lucky, let's, you know, 8 o'clock. Okay. If Once it, the dinner serving is up yeah, and going. Yeah, you know, and I'm not on the floor every single night. Um, right. It's not always necessary. I, I have a really good team. In the restaurants, so there is somebody that does uh, that helps me with the beverage program at each place. So, um, what I try to keep in mind is that myself or them are, are are available and on the floor almost seven nights a week. Right. You know, it's not always that easy, but 
Right. That's what we go for. Now going into the fall season, I'll probably be on the floor more because it's a lot more fun. Uh, it's right. a lot busier. It's Plus a lot, the a lot summer, people are away. Yeah, especially in Carroll Gardens. You know, Carroll Gardens is a neighborhood. It's not like right. Flatiron or Midtown. Right. There's All right, so tell me, as a wine guy, how much wine do you taste outside of the floor? So, you know, you have a crew. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you mentor and taste. Sure. You know, you have distributors and wine guys yeah how much you know do you devote certain days of the week are you tasting how much wine are you tasting yeah uh i try to taste at least once or twice with a distributor every day okay uh again doesn't always work out that way but uh like today i i tasted i think 10 wines before noon uh, and then didn't take any appointments in the afternoon because I had some other things right. that I needed to, to handle. But uh, it can be as little as six. Sometimes it can be as many as as thirty if I if I don't Do plan my calendar. Do you have to right? push back? Are there more wines and distributors that they want you to taste than you have time? Um, yes, I get. You know, we're we're lucky. We have three restaurants, and a lot of people want. You know, want to reach out and want to have their wines in the restaurants, and I—it's important to them to be yeah, on your course, list. Of course, you know, and you're and, one of those restaurants. And I, I try to be very polite about it. It's not always feasible to work. It's, it's not always. It's not feasible to work with everyone. Uh, but I do like to give everyone a chance. Sometimes, right. though, that might take. It might take a couple months before I have room. Not just because I'm. It's not about time as much as it's about. I don't want to waste your time. Right. I don't want to waste my time tasting if I have zero intentions or even availability right. to. But you to never know where that guy's going to wind up either. Yeah, totally. So I, uh, I try to taste all the time. Huh. All right. So, on an average night during service, how many different wines will you serve and taste? I mean, I mean, you look at your selection and you know yeah. how many selections you have. I mean, how deep do you go each night? Not not it, exact it, numbers, it, but... It can be. It's like, it's kind of like a crapshoot a little bit. Uh, like, I worked lunch today uh, in, okay. in Brooklyn and tasted five or six wines. Okay. Um, lunch is a little lighter. Yeah. Than uh, but, you know, it's still kind of fun that people want to come and have a boozy lunch. Uh on the weekends or, you know, Thursdays and Fridays and sometimes if I'm there on Saturdays, it can be a lot of wine. Like right. 20, 30. 20, yeah. Um, we always taste everything when it's open, regardless if it's wine by so the glass. So you'll open the bottle. Mm-hmm. You'll throw it in a glass yep. before the customer. Do you yep. open it in front of the customer mm-hmm. or you do it separately? We don't. We open everything away from the table. Is uh, that ever an issue? Uh, it, it, not an issue. It was an issue, I guess, with... You know, that we didn't do that before I started. So uh, getting to that was uh, a process. But, okay. you know, the idea isn't that we want to taste it for our own just No, like no, pleasure, I know, you know? That. Yeah, but, you want to make sure you're serving, yeah. you know, the provenance and everything is fine. Yeah. I don't want people to drink cork how bottles. O- it's gross. I was just going to ask you, how often do you come across a cork bottle? Is it 1 in 10, 1 in 20? I mean, what, what's your feeling on that? Um, what do you think it is? It doesn't happen all that often, but it happens. I don't nights know. go by where you don't hit a cork bottle. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, a week, that's great. Week, two weeks could go by before okay. you hit a cork bottle. Okay, um, that's good to hear. You know, because you hear things like one in ten. Yeah, I don't. Whatever. I think it's kind of silly to put a number on it because yeah. it's not really how it I'm works. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> I'm happy that our audience hears that. You know, at a busy restaurant like yeah. that, there's no. All right, what percentage of people tip you guys, you and your staff? Off the menu, which is to slip you a five, a ten, or whatever. Is it that type of restaurant, or not really? Not, not really. And I, I don't work on like I'm not in the tip pool, so right. I don't really pay attention to to. But is there some of that? I've, if it is, it's not in front of me. I'm okay, not, I'm so not there's no. That. In certain restaurants, there's no pressure. Yeah, you know totally. where you got you know because what's it going to do? Yeah, right. Yeah. In other restaurants, yeah, I don't, I don't. I'm sure it happens in the, in the the Michelin star restaurants. Yeah, where you're taking care of, you I know, guess, some guy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the guy pulls something. It's happened out. to me a handful of times in my career here okay. in New York. All right, couple more questions. Toughest part of the job, as a psalm, easiest or enjoyable part of the job? The the toughest part is 
you have, as a sommelier especially, you have to stay ahead of everything. Um, Give me an example. Well, you know, if you know that you're going to have a busy week because you have a busy reservation book, you know that you have to order accordingly. You know that in order to order accordingly, you have to have organization in your wine cellar. Your wine list has to be printed. Your staff has to be up to date. So being a day ahead of everything is extremely important. And that's a lot of the reason why I moved to being uh, in the restaurants Monday through Friday because I come in Tuesday and I'd be in the weeds from the minute I walked right. in the door. Right. Um, you sound very organized. <laughs> I try to be. It's important. Wait, so that's the toughest part yeah. to do it and execute it, but yeah. it's also the right thing. What's the easiest part? The easiest part for me is working the floor. That's, that's enjoyable. Yeah, I, it, but that's it's, your mojo. You're with well, people. Yeah, yeah totally. I, don't, I like to talk to people. Otherwise, I'd be like, I don't know, an accountant or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, people who are in that business, yeah. you know, want the adrenaline, yeah, the totally. action. Yeah, it's, totally. It's a rush. Yeah. It's I, totally I, a I rush. I agree with that. All right, last question. What does a John Patterson do after a busy service to unwind? There's... Three possible scenarios. Okay, uh, I'm willing to hear all of so them. So if I'm if I'm working in Brooklyn and I want to like maybe stick around uh, stick around the restaurants because I I like to actually hang out where I work not all the time but uh, I'll have a, a Folk's beer Hellas. It's a brewery down the street. I really like Wait, the beer. Folk's beer is the name of the yeah, beer. Folk's beer is the brewery and um, the breweries in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's on the Queer Street. F O L K S B I E R. Yeah, it's Brooklyn a, Brewery. What type of beer is it? It's also the one I particularly like is Hellas Simple, and it's a Munich. Spell it. H uh, E L L E S. That's like Hellas. the style. It's like okay. a, a, a Munich style right. lager, uh, and it's that's that's the beer. It's it's super simple. It's really crisp. It's super delicious. It's I don't know. So I, that's one way. You yeah, got more? Yeah. Two is to go home and make a Negroni. Okay. And chill out on the couch and listen so to music. So a Negroni, right? Yeah. And then three is Tacos El Bronco way down. Uh, is that a place? Yeah. It's it's like open all hours of the night. Do you bring uh, wine or he, no, does he have? You no, just, no, no. I usually just go just and I'll pick it up and take it home. Or, Taco El Bronco. It is where place. is it exactly? Uh, Not address, but what? Park? I think it's on. It's in Sunset Park. Sunset South, Park, South Brooklyn. Like, okay, you know, Fourth Avenue. All right, so there you go. That's what a uh, <laughs> a busy, well thought out little snapshot into what he does during the week. Yeah. All right, so John, you've worked in fine dining, uh-huh. Nomad. You're now in. Is it fair to say high end casual dining? Sure. I mean, what do you call it? Yeah. Is there? I, I think. To be honest, I think you can just say it's casual dining myself. Okay. But, yeah. As far as wine, mm-hmm. let's not talk about the food or even the decor. As far as wine, what are the differences and similarities in fine dining and casual? I, I know the obvious one is the list. Sure. You, know, you talked about it a little before. But what right. else? Um, I think number one, expectation. Uh, when you go to uh, a fine dining restaurant, you... You expect that you're going to be given a book, maybe, or a big list, uh, like we like we mentioned. You expect a sommelier. You expect the best glassware, and, and blah, blah blah. Not not that we don't offer that in our restaurants, right. but we uh, and what what really like appealed to me the most about about where I now work is we take ourselves seriously, but not too seriously. Right. We our goal, just like with any other restaurant in America, is to totally just blow the roof off of expectations um so there's certain boxes you have to check in fine dining yeah yeah totally but there are many things you could do in casual dining yeah where you fulfill unexpected expectation in a way well you know it's it's like silly things that we do in our... Are you the guy that has to have a coaster for the bottle? Is yeah, that you? that's literally... Is that, so, is that's that like a little like thing. A, is that not a normal thing at uh, casual dining? I mean, maybe it's becoming more normal. Right, right. But, but you're nuts if you don't put a bottle of wine on a coaster. I get upset. You know, we have wooden tables. They make marks. What's the downside? Nice. Do you get a little ring on the tablecloth? The table? Yeah, and then i got to have somebody get the Murphy's oil. And but it's presentation. It's the, it's Yo, the it's, right way. It's just about... Showing again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about you know me being in this position, and it shows that there's somebody who's putting thought to it. So these little details uh, that I scrutinize and, and the staff scrutinizes, it, it at least shows the the guest that 
there's thought. It's not just wines on a shelf. You order it. We pull it from the right. shelf and we open it. Give me but, another pet peeve. Um, serviettes are like a big thing for me. What is that? It's the little cloth that you keep. You know, most people have like two of them, and it's so that when you, you're pouring wine, you you, could, you swipe your, or right. your little wipe the wipe the rim. So, so it's, there's, there's no, no drip drips. on the exactly. bottle edge yeah. or down the label or whatever. Yeah. So uh, serviette is really just a name I'm, for a fancy napkin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. We All have right. to be fancied somehow. That's right. Um, do you? Is there a preference you have? I mean, they're both cool and fun. I mean, I, I, I may be able to answer your question. If you could take casual dining and add the things that are important to make it a great experience, that's just as fun, right? Yeah, totally. Which is what you do. Yeah, I mean, because you're aware of all of that. Sure. I think it's important to have the fine dining aspect so you can see how you literally will scrutinize every minute detail. Right. And then you take it into a restaurant like Frankie's, for example, and, okay, this is realistic, this is not realistic. And then you, you pick those things apart, and then you see what makes sense for the restaurant. Because n- not all of those details make sense, but more importantly, they're not all possible. In, in fine dining, for the most part, right. your options are endless because... You have money. It's 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 right. a different. You can spend these expenses because then in, you can then charge for them. You can't really right. do that in small. But I, you know, I'm a pretty good consumer. I crave that sometimes, sure. but certainly not all the time. No, no, you totally. know, it's too much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So you run the wine program for the Frankie Spuntino Group, mm-hmm. which is really three different restaurants: Prime Meats, mm-hmm. Frankie's 457 in Brooklyn, yep. and Frankie's 570 in the Village. So let's start with. Describe the overall vibe of, you know, the Frankie's restaurant group. I mean, not mission statement, but vibe. Sure. Uh, We want to be the best neighborhood restaurants that we can possibly be. That's like what we go for. We want you, if you live in the neighborhood, we want you to crave coming to the restaurant. We want you to come in. We want you to feel good. We want you to hopefully be recognized. We want you to know that if you know Prime Eats for the hamburgers, let's say, that every time you come in, you can rely that it will be the exact same. It will be equally as delicious. Uh, and that we want to provide the best, most comforting, amazing atmosphere that we can. And hopefully the food, the service, and the wine, and the other beverages uh, you know, are kind of like. From what I know and experience, you know, I think you do that. And we certainly try very hard. All right, so quickly tell me about each restaurant and the wine. So let's okay. start with Frankie's in Brooklyn, okay. 457, the most Italian. Yep. So that's the only restaurant where the entire list, with the exception of uh, Champagne, is all Italian. Okay. So there's no, uh, there's no French wine. There's a couple of American producers that I really like that make Italian varietals or grow Italian varietals rather uh, in their and you places. you go all over Italy. Everywhere. You know, it's not just um, Piedmont and Tuscany. No, it definitely, those, you know, I will say. Those those are, Sangiovese and Nebbiola are popular, but Sicily. Yeah, yeah, we we go and we we cover, I don't cover everything to cover everything. I cover everything where I think it makes sense. And I think there's some native varietals in Italy that are amazing. And there's there's some that suck. All right, so. A quick segue is we're going to taste the wine for the weekly wine sip, but I asked if you wanted to bring a wine and no pressure, please do it. And while we're talking about Brooklyn and the Italian wine list, you brought in, what are we sipping here? Yeah, so this is a, technically it's a non-vintage wine, but in this case it's all from 2014. It's uh, Fabio Zambolin. And he Spell is Zambolin. Z-A-M-B-O-L-I-N. Okay, he's the winemaker, that's the winery. He's, yeah, he's the winemaker, and the name of the wine is called Feldo. F-E-L-D-O. Feldo. Yeah, and so it's and named it's from, after his grandfather. It's okay. from uh, Alto Piemonte, specifically uh, from La Sona. So Alto Piemonte. Piemonte is the home of Barolo Barbaresca, yep. but Alto is yeah, higher. North. Yeah. What more. a lot of people maybe don't realize, Barolo and what we call the Lange are in the southern part of right. Piedmont that almost go to like Liguria, uh, like Cinque Terre is probably the most common place uh, associated there. So in the northern part of Piemonte, um, Nebbiolo is still very widely planted, but they also have native varietals like Croatina, Vespolina, um, 
Herbaluche. Uh, of which they'll blend in the Alto Piemonte yeah. that you won't see. Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay. you'll see some monovarietal right. bottlings. Uh, but anyway, this wine is super approachable. Available at the restaurant. It's available in the restaurant. It's Better f- wine stores are hard to come by. Um, it's a restaurant wine. He, did, he didn't make that much of it, okay. but I think it's around um, for sure. Okay. Um, and it's, it's Nebbiolo from old vines that are about 60 to 70 years old. That counts for a third. Then Croatina and Vespolina. And all of the wine, what's unique about this, all come from within the uh, the zone of La Sona, which is probably one of the more well-known uh, appellations in right. uh, Alto Piemonte. All right. I'll post it on our uh, social media. So if people cool. are interested. Yeah, it's super right, good. Let's move along. So that was Frankie's in Brooklyn. Italian food, predominantly Italian. John takes it all over Italy. Now you move into the West Village, mm-hmm. uh, Frankie's 570. You now have the opportunity to spread your wings a little, yeah. get away from Italian. So yep. what do you do there? So uh, we, it was all Italian when I took over. Took, okay. Got rid of that. Um, the varietal, or the, the, the wines, rather, on the list, um, when they're Italian, they tend to be more of the more well-known um, regions and varietals. Of course, Sangiovese Nebbiolo, but you know you'll see some Frappato. There'll be other Piedmont varietals. Frappato is Sicilian. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Sagrantino and Montepulciano, etc. So the um, best examples of some of the best regions yeah, outside exactly. of Tuscany and right. Piedmont. And, and the food, I should note, at, at five seventy in the West Village is very different than. Uh, four, five, seven in Brooklyn. The menus are not identical. And thus, Less traditional. More. Yeah, it's a little fresher. We have a bigger kitchen there. We can okay. do more things. Uh, so the wine list reflects that. And then we we venture into France a good bit. Uh, we have a little bit of Germany and Austria, and then French is yeah. what a quarter of the list. Uh, more or less. Yeah, maybe a little more than that. Okay. Especially when it comes to to white wine, there's a lot of French. And wine. before we move to prime meats, if you had to pin down the French. Where is most of the wine from? I think it's spread out, right? You, it's can't, you can't just say yeah, Loire or Burgundy. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, it's all it's, regions it's, represented. Yeah, it's pretty spread out among the regions that are represented. All right, so the final restaurant is Prime Meats. Yeah. And tell me about that wine. Prime list. Meats is everything except Italy. <laughs> Your so. favorite wine, Gamay, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a whole... I just put it on the list last week. There's a whole section of Gamay now. Okay. Um, so very it, juicy, delicious wine. Yeah, and very for that type of restaurant. Exactly, super okay. appropriate with the food. Uh, you know, forget the fact that it's arguably one of the best values in wine. But um, the the list is very French heavy. What um, I noticed, you know, in prime meats, you think of a steakhouse, and yeah. then there's enough meat offerings. <laughs> I saw a decent amount of whites, Shannons yeah. and champagnes. Yeah, you know, uh, French, but yeah, sure. You don't think of that. Uh, I. Uh, I, a, I like that. I'm you got firm, balls. I'm a firm believer that you should drink Chablis 365. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of white wine on the list, but it, it's there for a reason. It works really well, aside from my palate right. and my preference, but right. it, it does work with a lot of the food. But, you know, I, I haven't been there, but I've looked at the menu, and it's not like a steakhouse with no, just no, steak no. and chop. Like it's a pretty and, It's a pretty eclectic menu, yeah, so totally. that, that, those selections yeah. fit in. And it, it changes a little bit more than it used to, because, again, a, a year ago we brought on a new uh, executive chef for the company, and there's a little bit more attention uh in the kitchens at all the restaurants. All right, so we're going to break in a couple of minutes, but before we break, we're going to do the wine list and have a bunch of other questions for you. Um, Frankie's in Brooklyn's predominantly Italian, so I have the opportunity to ask you, tell me about some other wines and regions that are exciting or exciting you in Italy or have been, you know, for a little while. Lay some, uh, drop some knowledge on my listeners. this... To some people... Alto Pamante will take that, but yeah. keep going. But so this is maybe not the most uncommon place, but it's, I think, a more uncommon place for the average consumer, and that's Chianti Classico, specifically Chianti okay. Classico. Um, What's the difference between Chianti Classico and so Chianti... In the most simplest of terms, think of Tuscany as a bullseye. Okay. Think of Chianti as an outer ring. Okay. And think of Chianti Classico as the bullseye. Um, it's the geographical center of Chianti, the region. Uh, there's more um, regulations, if you will, from the Consortio, which is the govern, government ruling agency, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And that's them. good stuff. Uh, I, I think that 
some of the producers in Chianti Classico are making some of the most compelling wines on the planet, and it's unfortunate. What are we talking price wise? I mean, you can they get range. Them. Yeah, they range, but I mean, you can find them for under twenty bucks, and you and can you spend can as much as a hundred. Right. And uh, it's not. I should say too, it's not just Chianti Classico specifically, but there's many producers who don't follow the consortio for political reasons or whatever their reasons but are making maybe. some slam and wine yeah i mean you look at montevertine for example i think it's one of the most iconic producers in italy and they're right. they're in rada and chianti in the heart of chianti classico uh, montevertine is m-o-n-t-e-r or no m-o-n-t-e-v-e-r-t-i-n-e yeah that sounds about right okay um give me one more so you got chianti chianti classico um, I just got back from Friuli. And okay. There's mostly a, whites. A lot of white wine. There's okay. some red wine. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, but specifically, there's a, a small part of um, Appalachian Carso that is on the border of Slovenia, uh, and what they call the political border, which Italy and, and, and Slovenia is split, but the the region overlaps the two, uh, and there's some really really like spectacular wines um, coming from that region. They tend to be a little more, uh, I, w- I don't want to use the word eclectic, but maybe not for the average consumer, but if somebody's right. looking for something that they want to like find and, and taste, and it's different. So they, Friuli on the border of, what'd you say, Slovenia? Slovenia, yeah. So and what Carso is what? K-A-R-S-O. It's, a, it's a, like an appellation. Okay. Um, so the Carso appellation yeah. in Friuli. I'll post that even this, too. even the wines that go into Slovenia. There, there's some really, really, really cool wines. Yeah, that's a hot region now. Um, all right, before we break, let's move outside of Italy and let's you get one choice for this answer. What other wine or region is exciting you outside of Italy? This is going to be the most unoriginal answer on the planet. But There's no unoriginal <laughs> answers, just, you just, boring, loud... Just unoriginal people. Go ahead. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I love Chablis. Chablis. I really do. Okay. Uh, I think... Why? There's... For me, Chablis shows what, you know, also you see in Burgundy, but it shows the versatility of Chardonnay. Um, I think Chardonnay is one of, if not the most versatile wine on the planet, Champagne. You look at Chablis, you look right. at Burgundy, etc. Uh, but there's something about uh, Chablis from the basic Petit Chablis, um, village-level Chablis, to the Premier Cruz and the Grand Cruz. That is, is, um, is Petit Chablis, Village Chablis, or those are two different They're two things? Different, okay. two different designations. And those are lower designations. Yeah, like yeah, you can totally. get really good value wine Absolutely. Chablis. Yeah, I mean, there's, some, there's some Petit Chablis. Give me can, one or two makers in those, um, Petit or Village. So, that are, uh, Domaine Servan makes S-E-R-V-A-N? a... S-E-R-V-A-N? V-I-N. V-I-N. Domaine yeah, Servan. Makes a Petit Chablis called Sur Le Clos. Okay. Um, and what's neat about that, that particular S-U-R- wine... S-U-R... L-E-C-L-O-S? Yep. Sir Le Clos. Okay. And uh, Le Clos is one of the most well-known Grand Cru's in, uh, in Chablis. It makes very powerful but really, really pretty wines. So Sir Le Clos is, is like right above it or on it. Cool. Uh, and uh, it's Petit Chablis designation. What are and we talking price-wise? You could probably buy it for 20 bucks. Wow. Um, so that's now, a killer glass y- of wine. Yeah, and, the, and the, the, the unfortunate part about it is, is um, they've been... So, you know, They've had a lot of very bad weather in the last couple of years. So, Tough vintages. Yeah, and unfortunately, that wine for the next vintage for 2016 doesn't exist. Right. Uh, and I haven't I haven't checked for 17, but so Chablis. Yeah. There's good value in the petite and in the village. Yeah, it yeah. varies. It does. I would say it varies a lot from producer to producer. Right. But you can you can find some really good but values. That's true. It's you, true any region. You know. Yeah. yeah I mean. Cheap. I mean, if you put your head into it, you'll find totally. good but opportunities. You look at the way Burgundy is moving, and and you know, it's, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of land. It's not getting any bigger, and the prices right. uh, continue to rise. So it's right. fine. It's nice to see some form of te- you know that's, technically Burgundy. That's a good choice. Yeah, totally. Um, I think people always need to be reminded that Chablis is a great choice yeah. and champagne. Yeah, you know, totally. And a separate thing. Chablis doesn't necessarily mean Palo Rossi in the no. in the in the jugs. No. All right, John, we're going to take a break. I've neglected to tell you that I've been talking to John Patterson. He's the wine director at the Frankie Spuntino Group. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to subject John to the uh, wine list. We're going to taste some wine, 
and I have a few more questions for him. So you're listening to The Grape Nation. We'll be right back. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market believes in seeking out local, fresh, and seasonal food and in supporting local farmers, makers, and the community as a whole, economically and agriculturally. Whole Foods Market believes in food that is vivid and colorful, fresh and full of nutrients. Food that connects you to your body, the seasons, and to nature. Food that helps you do more, sleep better, and wake up happier. Found in over 400 locations throughout the United States, Whole Foods Market only sells food that meets their standards, which means no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or sweeteners, ever. Whole Foods Market believes in real food. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more. All right, we're back. We're back with my guest, John Patterson. John runs the wine program at the Frankie Spuntino Restaurant Group. There's Frankie's in Brooklyn, Frankie's in the West Village, and Prime Meats in Brooklyn. All right, John, a couple more questions, then we will do our wine list, and then we'll taste a little wine. All right, so tell me why you like Gamay so much. <laughs> uh, because... First and foremost, it's delicious. It's a delicious you wine. Can't Not every wine is delicious. It, it, there's a delicious yeah. factor. Um, it's a, a number of reasons. One, I think that you can, if you taste enough Gamay uh, and you drink enough Gamay, and I, I find myself drinking it often, um, you can really see the difference. So it's just back up. Gamay yeah. is? Gamay is the varietal. Uh, it from, comes from, from Beaujolais, well, I mean, which is grown, part. It's grown all over, but specifically, I guess I should I should back up. Specifically, I'm referring to to Beaujolais. Right. Um, Beaujolais, technically part of the Rhone department, uh, but is a part of Burgundy right. for for the sake of wine uh, discussion, rather. Um, and there are crews, crew villages, uh, Morgan Fleury. This is not the stuff that comes out every Thanksgiving. Nope, this, that, these are well-crafted wines. This is not Nouveau. Nouveau um, these, these wines. So get that out of your mind. Yeah, exactly. Don't. This is not stuff that you'll see at the, the gas station. Uh, right. But they, as a region, provide the best, like, price. Value. Value. To quality. Yeah, and you know, they're what not. What is the grape? It's the grape is Gamay. Gamay, yeah, right. Gamay is 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 the grape. So, and most of the the crews, I think there's ten appellations yep, yep. or something, mm-hmm. are a hundred percent Gamay. Or they always, plant? always a hundred percent Gamay. Okay. The uh, the only varietals that you can plant in Beaujolais are Gamay and Chardonnay, and label them as. Beaujolais, but obviously if it's Chardonnay, it's Beaujolais Blanc. And they're uh, great food wines. They're amazing food wines. So at, at Prime Meat specifically, we like the wines because they're great with they're great with sausages. That's a big part of our, our restaurant. They're great with all things pork. Uh, right. And they're also great for a little bit of a chill and you want to sit outside and, and just slam a bottle of wine. Uh, I like Beaujolais as a region and Gamay as a grape because the wines can be serious, but you don't have to think about them. You right. know, I think that's important. You want to think about wine sometimes, but other times you just want to drink it. Right. Um, I'm on a mission to get more people to drink Gamay. I think my listeners don't know enough about it. Well, it's, it's like Chianti Classico kind of gets a little bit of a bad rap for right. reasons that, you know, whatever. All right. So go out and look for some Gamay. Yeah. Totes. It's a good food wine. All right, Frankie's in Brooklyn does a very cool thing. They partnered with Resi, the online reservation service, and they created a series, which you're coming to the end of, of special yep. dinners. Tell me quickly, you know, what they were and are. I know yeah, so we partnered with Resi, Whole Foods, American Express, uh, and Sonos to basically bring chefs from all across the globe um, to do a, what we're calling the Frankie's Backyard series of which is uh, a beautiful open space yeah i mean in the backyard of frankie's yeah. is, is insane which is a whole nother reason to yeah. check that place out right <laughs> yep totally and you should do it before it gets cold right um so we we set the backyard up we do a five course meal uh first course is is like canapes and and that kind of stuff and then four seated courses uh we 
do a cocktail. We do wine. Uh, it's not a formal dinner. It's family style. Right. Um, and it's long tables out in the back yep, under the lights. Yep. And it is. It's, and you pair the wines. Yeah. We don't. Menu. We don't do like a formal. You know, this wine with this course. This wine with this right. course. We do. I I pick wines based on the menu of what I think will work through the progression of the meal and. What's amazing about it is you get to to have chefs that, you know, Mauro Colagreco from France, two Michelin star chef. You go to his his restaurant in the south of France, it's it's tasting menu or it's a it's a thing. So now we had we had him come with uh, with uh, Fernando Troco from from Argentina and they cook basically the the best Backyard barbecue type meal, and then those guys are like the masters at the barbecue. Yeah, yeah, thing. totally. So it, it's a lot of fun to get to eat the food of these chefs that a lot of people, myself included, you know, only read about. You did uh, Joe Beef from Montreal. Yeah, that very was, famous. That was an incredible, uh, incredible. That was incredible the most dinner. recent one. Is there that, any? Are there any left? So we have uh, we have one left on the on the sixteenth. Uh, that will complete the series. So Chris Bianco from. Uh, uh, Arizona, the, the pizza pizzeria, wi- pizza wizard, yeah, pizzeria Bianco. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's probably the greatest and best pizza outside of New York, and maybe rivals. I have never gotten to go, so I'm. Um, well, you get to crossing taste it my here. fingers that he wants to cook some pizza. Is that sold out? Uh, they are. It is sold out, and then right. the the team from Cosme is also going to cook as well. So. Oh boy, that's yeah. a pretty good setup. Yeah, it should be a fun evening. So, if people you know in the future want to look out for that, they should go on the Frankie's website. What's the best way to track that the stuff? The best way to do it is to go directly to Resi. Uh, and on Resi's website, okay. there's like a blog. So it's definitely it's, a Resi thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and so Resi handles all of the tickets. It's, I like it makes it. That. It's great. And it's it's $100 all in, which is, I think, uh, wow. steal of a century. That is the steal of a yeah. century. All right. So that's the uh, Resi Frankie dinners in Brooklyn. Very, very cool. All right. Before we get to the wine list, I'd mentioned in the intro that the best thing to pair with fish is probably weed. And what I'm alluding to is not fish the food, but fish the band. I just want to ask John quickly why wine people and sommeliers have such an infatuation with fish. I have to disclaim that my middle son has been to twice as many concerts as John, and John's been to about 60. So what's the fascination with you, and why are there so many wine guys there? Sommeliers have a taste for excellence, that's why. Okay. <laughs> so that band, yeah. I think it's more like they're eclectic, they're crazy, they're all over the place, and they're very yeah. cool. Well, I mean, I guess, disclosure, I was way more into fish before I was into wine, but... That's right. You know, I, I really I think don't know. you told me off-air that you started listening to three or something. When I was third grade. <laughs> third grade, grade yeah. Or yeah. yeah. Uh, I have no idea. I really don't under. I don't. You don't have to because that's a band that, you know, it's a very unique band in that yeah. sense. Well, you either get it or you don't. And the wise, you don't have to answer. Yeah, and I don't even. Try, I don't need to explain it to anybody. You don't have to. Well, you can't explain it to anybody either. That's the frustration because then they just think you're a dork. So. You don't have to. So that's. <laughs> That's what pairs with fish. All right. So, John, every week we subject our guests to the wine list. It's a bunch of questions that, you know, delves into your personal taste, gives our audience a chance, you know, to uh, hear what the professionals are drinking and doing. So the first question is, what are you drinking now? You know, what are you experimenting, tasting? Is it seasonal? You know, what's on your table? It changes up a lot, to be honest with you. So I'm talking now, now. Yeah, so I think you want to, let's see, maybe the last thing I had. Well, um, what but, am I? But, but something where you've repeated, like, I tried this, I got to try it again, or different producers. Um, Anything happening? or? I wouldn't say that there's, so I, 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 confession, I'm not exactly like, I'm not the guy who's, who's like going after, like, I want to find the next thing to be like, I found it first, because I don't, that's not really, no, I'm, I, I, but. I'm not. I'm out of my seat getting more wine. I'm not alluding to that. But what are you tasting now? Um, it's now. It's the season. I've been waiting for it all year long to drink more Italian wine. When it's cold outside, I want to drink more okay. Italian. So wine. we're shifting into the Italian wine season. Yeah. Break that down for me, and we'll move to the next question. What? Everything? Something? Where? Barolo, Nebbiolo. All things Nebbiolo. Okay. Uh, all things Piedmont. It's it's just there's something about the fall, the leaves changing color, and the the weather getting a little more crisp that I want to drink 
more Italian. I'm with you on Barolo. I think Barolo is underrated, and I think it's an incredible value. And the guys that are making it, compared to other wines, um, the pricing is great. All right. John Patterson's personal favorite wine and food pairing. Chablis and oysters. I'm a sucker for the classics. You are a sucker I'm for like, the classic. I'm like, so if I came over there, obsessed. if I came over there and put you in a headlock and said, that's the classic answer, what's the second best answer? And I agree with that. <laughs> it's equally as classic. What? Go ahead. Savignon. And? Comte. Okay. First time ever on this show. Really? Now, sa- yeah. Oh, I feel like that's the most No, no, it's a classic answer. comp, but let's talk about that. So Savignon is a white wine. Savignon. 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 S-A-V-A-G-I-N-I-N. N-I-N. Savignon. Savignon, yeah. Right. From the Jura. And from the Jura. Mm-hmm. And Comte is one of the world-class cheeses yep. from the Jura. And together, yep. they, they complement each other. They do. Um, I got engaged in the Jura. You did? Uh, like, I guess, maybe five years ago. Uh, and my wife and I had a lunch with Stefan Tissot, and we Tissot's tasted, one of the great winemakers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and he pulled like different. So there's you know Comte for every season over there, and then different age. ages. And, and then we that. we had uh, like Vanjon and Chateau Chalon, but we also had fresh like Ouye Savignon. Uh, it's I don't know. There's nothing. It's like foie gras and sauterne for some people. Yeah. Just so you know, that's the first time anybody said Savignon. Well, I and, feel original for the Comte. first time all well, year. Well, no, I think it's a great... I'm glad I forced you to a uh, <laughs> second answer. Um, outside of Frankie's, your favorite wine restaurant and slash or bar, a place that has a lot of attention towards the wine list, the service, just the whole wine vibe. <laughs> Not your favorite restaurant, but your favorite wine restaurant, wine bar, wine restaurant. Um, I don't go often because it's out of my radar, but I love it. Uh, I think the Modern Bar Room is arguably one of the best places to drink wine in New That's York City. That's Michael Engelman? Yeah. Okay. Michael's um, going to be on the show in January. Oh, great. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine, but so shameless plug in that regard. But uh, So in, it's just a great restaurant with well, great I, wine service. The wine service is, is top-notch. Uh, the wine list is insane, and they're, they're hospitality included. So Right. That's the, the high end of all of that. Yeah, but the wine prices are bananas. They're so great. They are. They're amazing. And you can so drink. The, you here's know, a he Danny a, Meyer restaurant, fancy place, but a well-thought-out wine list by yeah. one of the true wine pros. Sure. And it's reasonable. Yeah. Okay, so that's a great answer. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have a favorite all-time wine or a couple? I mean, is there something that was a oh wow moment or resonates or a birth wine? I mean, can you think of something? Um, for me, it's very in the moment, and it's all about multiple elements, not just the wine itself. But uh, one wine that I keep like resonating back to um, was my wife and I had a couple of years ago. Not not necessarily the most fanciest wine on the planet, but doesn't have to be. Uh, 2008, Vincent Dovisat, Chablis Grand Cru Les Preux. Uh So Dovisat, D-A-U-V-I-S-S-A-T. Yep. One of the great Chablis yep. makers. Yeah, but Vincent Dovisat specific, okay. specifically. Who's the famous one? Vincent Dovisat. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Vincent Dovisat, and it was the Chablis? Chablis uh, Grand Cru from Preux. Uh, what year was it? 2008. Okay, and it was one of those. It was just... Just Every, everything. everything. The wine, the time, the yeah, company. Ev- everything was perfect. Okay. That's a good answer. Um, you know, Dovisat's one of the great Chablis I'm, makers. I mean, full disclosure, I'm obsessed with Dovisat. I love it. It's my favorite Chablis producer, and I drink it. Well, Is it on any of the lists? Yeah, there's a good bit of it at Prime Meats. Okay. So when somebody orders <laughs> that, you make sure the bottle's not corked. Confirmed. Right? Yeah, Confirmed. exactly. <laughs> All right. You'd be good at answering this. Best wine around 15 bucks retail. 15 plus, recommend a red and a white. You can get specific. You can give me regions. Um, my, you know, I always say this. My kids are in their 20s. They're starting to make money. They're going to dinner parties. They don't want to sure. bring a crappy bottle. They can't afford an expensive, but they want to impress. Right. Um, if it's red, there's one that always comes to mind. I personally grab it anytime I see it, and that's from uh, Berlotto that is in uh, Verduno. Which B-U-R-L-O-T-T. T-O. Berlotto. Yep. Uh, and it is their... Uh, what region of Italy is it's it? It's in... It's 
within the Longe, specifically okay. it's within Barolo, but it's not Barolo Nebbiolo. Barolo a great, great wine maker. Yeah, it's one of the best. Right. Um, so they make a, a wine called um, uh, Varietals Pelverga. Uh, Spell. Oh, God. I can't Your best. I'll look it up, but... It's P-E-L-A-V-E-R-G-A. And that's the wine that's, varietal? Yep. Okay. Uh, and it's probably 20 bucks on the shelf. Okay. It may be a, maybe a dollar or two more. So that's a killer red. Yeah, it's just super easy to drink. It's not pretentious. It's it's good with a little bit of a chill. It has complexity, and it's it's fun to drink, and it's not, you know, it's not flimsy, but you can just, you can slam it if you want to. First time ever. All yeah. right, give me a white. Uh, if you were going to drink white, there's, uh, and we... We uh, we've worked with it in the restaurants um, before. It's like yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very indecisive. Um, it's okay. <laughs> uh, it's your last time ever on this show. Yeah, right. Uh, there's a producer in the very southern part of France in the region of Chiro. Where Spell they, it. Uh, Chiro is the region is C I R O. Chiro. And the producer is Scala S C A L A. And the, the label's really pretty, so it'll catch your eye. But uh, it's 100% Greco. Like I said, from Chiro, it's probably not even fifteen bucks. Wow! Uh, and it is just, I think, from Chiro and Chiro again, a place where they make way too much wine and a lot of it's really bad. This is kind of that diamond right. in the rough, if you will. That's uh, a first time, also. And it's, it's very, very good. I will um, post those. Yeah. So please do. You, you can know, find them. In, I mean, the reason I ask you is because yeah. I know you come across. And I want my listeners to have an opportunity. Yeah. All right. So those were John Patterson, John Patterson from Frankie Spuntino's recommendation. All right. We're going to end the show with our final segment. It's the weekly wine sip. Every week we taste a different wine on air. For our weekly wine sip this week, we, we've been sipping John's wine, which we'll talk about a little more. And we're going to taste a 10-year-old 2007 Nipizzano Chianti Reserva. From the Chianti Rufino region of Italy, the wine is from an 11th century Castello de Nipizzano estate. That's the home of the Frescobaldi family, a famous winemaking family. It's predominantly Sangiovese with a touch of Malavese and Nero, Cab and Merlot. This wine in current vintages, the reason I brought it in is it's a relatively inexpensive wine. It's 18 to 20, 23 bucks, and it's available at better wine stores. It's generally rated as a 90 plus um, and I wanted to get John's expert opinion to see if this wine's any good, if it holds up after 10 years. So, John, let's pick up the uh, Chianti and let's evaluate it quickly. So, first color, yes. typical 10-year-old Chianti color? Uh, no, I think it's a little darker. Darker? Yeah, it's not like, rusting or bricking or anything. No, it's it's pretty concentrated. It's like when you say darker, darker than I mean, like, typical. Yeah, I think so. I mean, to me, Sangiovese is very red. Right. Um, now, why? Why did, is that? Is it this just, wine or the bottle age? Uh, it's most likely the wine and the way that the wine was aged before it was okay. bottled. Um, and in addition, it's not just Sangiovese, like you said. Right. It's it's a blend. Yeah. Um, which. Personally, would I would say it's maybe not the most traditional example, but that doesn't mean anything. Okay, it's my I didn't opinion. say I brought in a traditional. All no, right, no, totally. so that's the color, very dark deep. Yeah, it's like deep, dark, untraditionally, dark you know, dark. Yeah. All right, so let's go nose. Spicy. Spicy. I get some red cherry, some black. Yeah, totally. And there's there's definitely a. Uh, I don't know how this wine is aged, but there's an oak influence. It's in my cellar, which is temperature. Temperature controlled with great provenance. <laughs> okay, is that what you were alluding? No, no, to? no. How do they? Does this sit in barrel? Does it sit? Here, oh, grab the bottle. Uh, Let me see. I don't know if it says anything on it. Yeah, there's only one way to find out. What does it say? It just says basically everything that you just said. It right. Say anything about? Okay. I'm sure, we could probably look it up, but I bet you that this wine is put in some form of oak. Okay, because you're picking that up. I mean, it just it's woody vanilla. What? It's not so vanilla. See? It just has the like toasted spice. Right. Okay. All right. So that's the nose. Let's go mouthfeel. Medium. Yeah, it's not as heavy as I would have thought it would be. Right. From oh. the look. The color and all that. Yeah. So it's a medium, not even a medium plus body. Yeah, I think um, medium, medium is fair to say. Anything it's, else on the mouthfeel? It's pretty youthful. Okay. I mean, especially if you... you For know, 10 years 10 old? 10 years old. Um, there's a little bit of alcohol. 
Okay. Uh, for me, it, it definitely like kind of drives the finish. Uh, Does alcohol usually tame after a few years or not? It should, right? It should, yeah. So it's still showing alcohol. Yeah, let's see. I don't know how many degrees it is. Let's see. So is that typically? Not, uh, it says 13 and a half. It, it, it plays higher, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, those lying bastards. I don't know if I can call BS on, the, on right. this thing. But. All right, let's go palate. What are we picking up on the uh, palate and taste? There's that red and dark fruit that you talked about. I agree, red, yep. cherry. I could pick up the spice yep. on the palate, too. It's not so, like, fresh and vibrant, especially if you, like, take a sip of the, the feldo that's, like, like, crushed brambly fruit. This is more of a concentrated... Um, I wouldn't say it's like a cooked fruit, but it, there's there's a density to it. You know? Right, I know, um, I, I know what you're saying. There's not um, a lot of acidity. Uh, no. What about the tannins? They're smooth, right? They're smooth. They're present. Right. Um, medium. All I right. I wouldn't say that they're overly aggressive, uh, but they're definitely present. All right. So two questions. Yeah. First question is, what would you pair this and Chianti's with? Um, this particular wine, you need something meaty, like grilled lamb with herbs would be really nice. Okay. You could have a bisteca. That would also be, be delicious. Okay. Um, you could even go more classic and have pasta, but you definitely need, like, you know, a ragu or, right. or, or something Some rich. kind of heavy, rich yeah. sauce. Uh, but you, you could potentially get yourself into a little bit of trouble with, a f- with pairing this with food if there's too much acidity because I don't, this wine doesn't have a ton of it. So if you, you know, had simple tomato sauce, it probably tastes bitter. Okay. Um, I do. I, I brought this in because it's reasonably priced. It's readily available. Ten years old. Um, do we like this wine? Um, we're honest. We're honest here. It, okay, like love. I no. I don't like this wine. You don't like I'm this. Sorry. Wine. Does that mean? No. <laughs> that's why. Not at all. Why? Um, for me, this is an example of. Uh, God, I hope I don't offend anybody. If the Italians out there, please don't come out for me. Um, what I like about Sangiovese, what I like about Chianti, Chianti Classico, is there There can be a liveliness and a freshness to the wines. Of course, more serious wines that see more oak and have intensity to them, you know, are going to have less of that freshness and more, um, you know, complexity, but it just falls a little flat. Right. Um, and I think that... Let's this, pick up the Feldo. Yeah, which is a totally different wine. Yeah, different nose. It's just the the Feldo is not. I should also say the Feldo is by Italian definition, it's a table wine, right? Uh, and it kind of is treated that way. It's great with lighter fare. It, it would get crushed by the same food you would put with right. this wine. Uh, whereas this is a you know DOCG. It's a more right typical uh, Tuscan Chianti yeah. and all of that. All right, so that was the uh, 2007 Nipizzano Chianti Reserva. Um, I liked it a little more than John, but I didn't think it was great, and I get what he's saying, and you know that's why I brought it. If in. you put it in front of me, I would certainly drink it, but it's not. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know it's that. It's okay. I, would I mean, I've had some bad wines on the show. It's not a bad <laughs> wine. I mean, there's no, no, no. Yeah, life yeah. short, and there's a lot of other options. All right, so thank you for being honest with that, John. We're going to wrap up the show. If you have a question, wine happening, or event, hit me up at sam at thegrapenation dot com. That's sam at thegrapenation dot com. My friend Hugh at Roberta's will be doing an orange wine event on Sunday, October 15th from 12 noon to 7 p. He'll have over 30 producers, including some real hard-to-find stuff. So if you don't know much about orange wine, you'll come here and you'll walk out of here an expert. Follow us on the... Follow The Grape Nation on Facebook, at The Grape Nation. We'll post John's wine list. We'll post the wines that we drank uh, on the site. Follow us on Instagram, SBenRuby, Twitter, BenRuby. And John, where can we find you and Frankie's on social media? So uh, Frankie's is at uh, Frank's, F-R-A-N-K-S dot P-M. P-M. And uh, that's think, all yeah, the that's restaurants. For all of the right. restaurants, yeah. And okay. then uh, I think my social media is at J Burns Patterson IV. The fourth? Yes, I'm a okay. true Southerner. All right. So John is an interesting guy to follow. He's pretty active. And if you want to see what's going on with the restaurants, you could follow Frankie's PM. Um, all right, John, thank you for coming on. Thank you to our guest, John Patterson. John is the uh, wine director. 
at Frankie's Spontino Restaurant Group. Stop by and look for him at Frankie's in Brooklyn, Frankie's, Frankie's in the West Village, and Prime Meats. I want to thank our engineer, Vitor, as always, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>